Hello everyone, my name is JD, and this is another episode of On the Lighter Side of Life. I've had a kind of interesting week this week. I had to make an 1,800 mile round trip, okay? So that's three states over from where I'm at. Um, and my trip took me up through West Yellowstone. And if anybody's never, ever been there in West Yellowstone, uh, it's a gorgeous place, uh, especially this time of the year. Uh, you can see all the new babies that were born, like from the bisons and, you know, the uh, bear that they have out there and everything else. But there is a thing to remember. That is not your local petting zoo, for heaven's sakes, because those are all wild animals, okay? Uh, they even had a thing on YouTube last year about a guy. He was a tourist. Uh, they came on a, a bus tour kind of deal, and there's pull-offs all the time. So they pulled off, and they were taking pictures of the wild bison. Well, one of the guys decided to get a wild hare and jump the fence and go out there and go, Freddie, take a picture of me. I'm going to go pet that wild bison. No, you're not. <laughs> not the thing to do, okay? So they are wild animals, but it's a gorgeous place. If you've never been there, you really need to go up there. But there are signs everywhere telling you not to touch nothing, uh, especially the animals. Uh, don't feed them. Don't try to walk up and pet them. You know, they are used to, to seeing humans and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, not a petting zoo. So on my trip up through West Yellowstone, I'm about 20 miles outside of the little town called West Yellowstone, Montana, and a herd of bison decided to come across the highway, okay? Now, you've got um, babies, and you've got the, the moms and all this other stuff, and, they're, and when they come across the highway, you stop, okay? Don't hit one because you'll just total the car. It's a silly thing to do. So anyway, I stop, and I'm about 10 feet away from all the bison. They're not paying any attention to me. The trick is don't be flashing your lights and don't be honking the horn. The people on the coming the other directions towards me did the same thing. Okay. So I put the car in park and I have my wife's car, by the way, and we come to a dead stop. So I proceed to reach down and grab a bottle of water. And when I looked back up after I got that bottle, I had a, a baby a bison sitting there looking at me about five feet from my car. And he kind of had the look in his eye, like, I wonder if that thing wants to play. And I'm thinking like, no, 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 don't, don't be hitting my car, you know, because now I got to report to mom that a bison just took out her car. <laughs> Not a good deal. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it gets kind of scary because I, I knew just as sure as I was sitting there that the minute I called her and the insurance guy, they're going to say, well, the bison stepped out in front of you. No, I was at a dead stop and he hit on me, you know, so, um, and I don't think bisons, uh, have insurance. I don't think they have car insurance whatsoever, but anyway, it just, it would have not have been a good day for me making that trip, uh, totaling out mom's car, um, to, with a bison. And it was a, an individual that just had the look that like he was ready to, to take the car on, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, not would have been a good day at all. So, needless to say, he didn't. I was grateful. And I, when I got into um, West Yellowstone, I sat there for about 10, 15 minutes, you know, just kind of counting my prayers and thanking goodness that I didn't have to make that phone call to mom and let her know that her car, her new car, it's only a year old. Yeah, it just got totaled out, you know, by a buffalo. So, yeah, that would not have been a good deal. Um, I got a, I've got a very good friend. Uh, Matt Rollett. And back in this, I've, I've known this guy for 10 years. Okay. And back in episode two, uh, when I made the comment that I went to the, um, uh, the doctor 
and they were going to probe me, is the way we'll put it. Um, he did the same thing. Everybody thought I was kind of crazy when I, you know, told him that, hey, uh, while you're up in there with that instrument you're going to do, if you happen to find the remote, you know, I'd like to have it back. And the anesthesiologist thought that was all hysterical. The doctor did not. Well, come to find out after talking to a very, very good friend of mine, uh, Matt Rollett, that um, everybody calls him Cotton. He's a sweet man. He really, truly is a very true, dear friend of mine. Um, that he, when he went to have that procedure done, he just asked the doctor, and the, I guess this is just, doctors are not funny people, I guess. I don't, don't know. But he wanted him to find out how come every time he farted, it was dust. <laughs> which I thought was hysterical. You know, I thought, okay, I'm not the only one, okay? So, Cotton, kudos to you, dude. I'm just saying that I'm not the only one that thinks that way, okay? Because I know that he had to be nervous. If you ever saw that probe they put up in there, it's not a probe. My goodness, that thing's big, okay? So, yeah, that's, it makes you a little nervous, at least for guys, you know? So, yeah. And, um, I, and I had an episode where I talked about a very good friend of mine, uh, Richard, when his daughter went out on a date, uh, he happened to be on the front porch cleaning his 12 gauge shotgun with an empty shotgun shell in the chamber. It was already chambered. And he was talking to the kid in the whole bit. Well, I have, and I'm going to read this verbatim from cotton. Um, what happened when his daughter, uh, she was, um, was, boys were starting to pay attention to her, you know, and this is what he did. This is what he wanted to do. The wife wouldn't let him, you know, the women kind of spoiled it. So they, she, he would not let, she wouldn't let this happen. And it states here that he says when she was 13 or 14 years old, the youth group from their church came over to watch movies at the house. Okay. He happened to notice a boy sitting next to his daughter, holding hands under the blanket, ah, uh, trying to be a shy dog, or you doesn't work. Dad's got the evil eye on you. Uh, he said he went to his wife, and he told her what was happening, and if he could just kill him, please, let me just shoot him right here. She said no. Uh, Cotton, in return, said, um, I told her he won't feel a thing. Just let me do this and get this over with. And, of course, it, it didn't happen, which was a good thing, but... Uh, I'm glad to see that I don't have the only friend that comes up with the idea of scaring kids half to death uh, when they start kind of jacking around with your daughters and stuff, you know. So, yeah, uh, Cotton, love you, man. Stay in contact. Um, everybody just, you know, he's a neat guy. If you know this guy, he's just one of these lovable guys that you can sit around and talk with. Uh, I've known him, like I said, for 10 years, and he's a great, great friend. Okay, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the in this episode that I had to make a nice little 1,800-mile round trip. Where I ended up at coming to the end of that trip, uh, on the first leg going, uh, I ended up in Salt Lake, Utah, is where I ended up at. I had some uh, business to take care of there, and uh, it was an interesting trip. It really, really was. But the highlight of my day, just if you're an old guy like me and you're used to the 70 model like Camaros and uh, the GTOs and stuff like that, you know, because you're a big GM fan back in the day. I was sitting at a stoplight, and this guy came up, and he you can tell this man had worked endlessly probably for two years to get this Camaro. It was a 70 models Camaro, like a 74, 75 Camaro. And he's sitting at the stoplight, and the only thing that was missing on this car 
was it was Primer Gray. So it was getting ready to be taken to the paint shop and for them to do their little deal. It sounded so smooth and so sweet. And you could tell the guy had a lot of pride in it. I mean, he had worked his butt off to get this to, to that point. Okay. So here comes this kid. Now we're sitting in a stoplight. This is three wide. That's how wide the street was. He's sitting along on the driver's side of that Camaro with this car that was just, I mean, enormously loud. And it was a Dodge. And I have nothing against Dodge vehicles. Uh, the new one, uh, the new Dodge Challenger, um, <clears throat> has been choked back quite a bit, even though it still says it has a Hemi. Uh, but this kid had done something to it about, with the exhaust system, and it was just extremely loud. And he kept revving this thing up and revving this thing up. And the old man in the Camaro was just kind of, you know, putting his arm down like, no, I don't want to race you. You know, we're not going to do this. I'm too old for this. And this kid kept doing it and kept doing it. And the old man, for some reason, here I'm sitting in my wife's little bitty car. I couldn't outrun a BW, you know. So he looked at me, but I think it was because of the age thing, and looked at me like, I've got to do this. He had that look, you know, and I just like, dude, I would. I'd put him down. And this old man just romps on this Camaro. And the Camaro had happened to have a four-speed sitting in it. And he jolted away from this kid and grabbed second gear and was gone. And I know that kid's heart just probably fell to the ground and he ran it over. Uh, the reason I bring that story up is back in the day when I was still like, oh, I don't know, 16 years old, my mom had a Dodge with a 440 Hemi sitting in it, the old-style Hemi, to where they weren't choked back with catalytic converters and smog devices and all this other stuff. Uh, we had went down, uh, me and my brothers, and we had put an exhaust system on it, and it was nothing fancy. It wasn't headers or anything like that. It was just a set of glass packs and all-new pipe up underneath because hers was rusting out and falling apart. And my two brothers thought that, you know, this is not for you, dude. This is for mom, you know. And when I, we got it home after they'd done that, she thought it was the coolest thing since apple pie. She really was. Uh, beyond knowns to me, me and her back in the day when you lived in Vegas, if you go to Vegas now, you cannot under any terms drive down Fremont Street because they've got it all enclosed and all this fancy stuff. Well, back in the early 70s, you could drive up and down Fremont Street. Not a problem, okay? Um, they used to... You see little races every now and then at the far south end of Fremont Street. And so me and my mother, we had went out, okay, and we're in her Dodge, and she's just idling along, and this kid comes up alongside of her wanting to race her, and he jumps. The next three stoplights, every time it turned green, he took off, okay? So my mom just kind of takes off like, like an old lady kind of thing and just taking it easy with the car. No big deal. We get to that third stoplight. And I guess she had had enough, okay? She's going like, I'm done. And she looked at me, I kid you not, I'm on the pasture side, and she says, hang on. Now, that's scary when your mother tells you that and you're 16 years old, because I kind of went, what? And she dropped it in first gear and punched that 440 Dodge, and she was gone. And it made me wonder, because she, on the old cars, they were first, second, and third is what was in her car, and she shifted just on cue like she had done it a hundred times before, okay? Made me wonder how many times that woman had raced people. But she beat this kid. She gets down to the end of Fremont Street, and she pulls up into the service station. She puts it in park. She gets out of the car, and this kid comes up, and he stops. He puts his car in park, and he gets out. 
his buddy on the pasture side got out of the car and fell to the ground, laughing himself to death, you know. And so this kid just walked up to my mom, and she says, you have been beat by me. You know, he had. He said that he had never been dusted quite that hard ever before. He wanted to look under the hood. And when he popped the hood and saw the 440 sitting there, he said, okay, yeah, that 440 kicked the butt out of that 350 in the old Chevy back there, you know, but it it just did. And it made me wonder, because my mother used to get on to us kids for, you know, drag racing and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, I'm riding around with the queen of drag racing, because how did she know just exactly how to shift all this stuff and make it just, uh, that car ran just as perfect, and she beat him legitly hands down, right on money. So the reason I bring this up is it, when I saw that old man do that to that kid in Salt Lake City, it uh, just brought back memories of what my mom did. And now I'm the old guy, and I probably would have done the same identical thing. I would have just, you know, tried to get this kid to go away. Uh, but then the guy in the back of your head's going like, you know you want to do this. And he was right. I would have. I would have wanted just to, you know, <laughs> and I would have raced at him. And it, I'm not saying that would have been right by any means, but it just brought back a memory of what my mother did and how she lectured her sons don't be drag racing, don't be doing this and that and all the stuff that parents tell you. And then you see a parent do it and you're an eyewitness sitting there watching her. Uh, yeah, okay, not a problem. But when that old man did that in Salt Lake City, that was just a golden moment for us old guys that these young 20-year-old kids with their fancy new cars and the old horsepower just kind of like ate their lunch. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it was a great little thing for me. It was just kind of jazzed me up a little bit, you know, to watch a, uh, an old guy tear a new kid up <laughs> in the middle of Salt Lake City, for heaven's sakes. You know, I've gotten a, a couple of emails. I've gotten some texts from my friends and everything that there seems to be a little bit of confusion with our email address. And what it is, is JD, a dot, hmm, podcast one, the number one, not the word one, not Number one in a word, it's just the simple little number, okay? So it's podcast one. It's jd.podcast1 at yahoo.com. Uh, if you have anything you want us to, to put on the air, send it to us. Very much so. Uh, we would love to get them and put them out, you know. Uh, hit the follow button and follow us on. You can follow us on uh, Spotify. We're on there. Uh, Google and Stitchers is the way it's pronounced. I call it Stitchers all the time, and it's not. It's Stitchers. <laughs> I'm sure the company guys for Stitchers is not appreciating that out of me, none whatsoever. But hit the follow button and the like button when you uh, listen to the podcast. Uh, send us your emails, please, and we'll get them on the, the air just as quickly as we possibly can. And I still want to give a, a great big shout-out to, to Matt Rollett. Thank you. He's a sweet man, very, very good friend. Everybody calls him Cotton, um, and we're not going to go into that because he's just as old as I am. I think I'm missing my ear or something like that. But thank you, Matt, for sending us all the good stuff that you did. It was funny, and it's glad to see that I'm not the only one that has a doctor with no, mind you, no sense of humor. Because apparently Cotton's got one of the same kind of doctors. It kind of makes you wonder if they're brothers or not. Hell, they could be. That's the end of this episode. Um, I appreciate all the support we've been getting and uh, all the emails and the, the text messages from all my friends and everything. So stay in touch. Keep listening. You're listening to The Lighter Side of Life.